Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So you can change the world. Of course. Now join me for this journey, will you? Okay. You walk into a car dealership and a salesman meets you at the door and he says, you can have any vehicle in here. All you have to do is choose, then complete a few important actions, and then you can drive it out of here. Mm. He shows you three options. Number one, the easy-to-understand, high-gas-mileage economy model. Number two, the upgraded, standard-gas-mileage, standard-interior-package, mid-level model. And number three, the luxury-interior, high-performance, OMG, ooh-la-la model. Which one do you pick? And remember, before you pick, there are some important actions to perform after you choose. But you have no idea what those actions are going to be. <laughs> what are you choosing? Today, we're going to dig into that choice, except we're going to make it about your speaking business. And we know you wouldn't have it any other way. We're going to talk about it today with my guest, Mike Staver. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing well. It is good to be here. Uh, that is the best intro I've ever heard. That is really good, man. I, I don't know if I can make that many words rhyme if I had to. That's that's. Well, I think you'd be pretty okay. I think you'd be okay. You've been doing this thing for a minute. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not, that was amazing. Well done. Awesome, man. Well, listen, Mike, I know that as the NSA board chair, immediate past, you've listened to every single Speakernomics episode ever, so you could probably do this for me. <laughs> but what's the one big tip that you brought with you for anyone who's serious about building a pro speaking business? Stop getting ready and start getting busy. We spend too much time preparing content, getting ready, doing this, doing that. We got to get out there and do the work. And uh, most people, uh, I guarantee 95% of the listeners have more than they need to do what they need to do to build a world-class business. I love it. I love it. All right. Before we get a favor from Mike Staver, I just want to remind you to hop on over to the Speakernomics voice mailbox. Every week we ask a question and we like to play your answers on the show or just hear from you in general. So head on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. And we'll play your message on the show. Listen out for today's question just a little bit later and then head on over to that link with your computer or mobile device speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Let your voice be heard. Our message this week comes to us from one of our listeners, Zovig Garbushin. Check it out. Hi, this is Zovig Garbushian, and I'm responding to this question of what I would want people to walk away with after having worked with me. I think ultimately what I would love to have anyone who I come in contact with through my work as an executive coach and speaker is that they understand that they always are at choice. Sometimes the choices aren't the most ideal, but no one is ever stuck. And once we realize that we can put more into the I can influence or have control column versus the column of things that are out of my control, things start to feel a little easier. 
We start to approach things with a little more experimentation, a little less concern about getting it right, a little less carefulness, because we know that we can always choose again. That can happen in business. It can happen in our relationships. It can happen in the choices that we make about ourselves and our personal lives. But when we understand that we aren't stuck, we have the ability to make choice, even if they aren't the most ideal choices at the time, things can feel a little more easy. We can be a little more um, at ease and in flow. And we can start to take wiser risks with our work and our businesses and our lives. So I hope that that helps. And I hope that I get to be included. Thank you. Yes, you are included. Thank you, Zovig. I appreciate that. If you want to leave a message, if you want to be on the Speakernomics podcast, head on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. All right, let's get into it with our guest. Mike Staver is an international leadership speaker, the author of Leadership Isn't for Cowards, and Do You Know How to Shut Up? He's also the immediate past NSA board chair. He's the host of Mondays with Mike and with Jamie Nolan. He also hosts the eponymous Mike and Jamie show. That's right. (laughs) yeah, he's written as Harley around the U.S., around the perimeter of the U.S. That's I don't know if that is a fun, insane or what it is, but let's talk about it for a second. Mike, tell us about in a minute or less how you came upon this idea that you wanted to ride around the United States, not even across around the perimeter. Now the perimeter, yeah, 11,800 or 12,000 miles, something like that. I was riding back from Sturgis with my friends. In those days, I lived in Florida. Sturgis is in South Dakota. For those of you who do not know where Sturgis, South Dakota is, largest motorcycle rally in the world. Yeah. And I was riding down a country road, and I thought, what would happen if I just keep on, if I just kept on riding? What would happen? And uh, obviously, I run a business, and I got to pay my bills. I got to make payroll, so I didn't do that. But I went back and said, I'm going to ride around the perimeter of the U.S. just to say I can. It's kind of a thing in the motorcycle community to do these long-distance endurance rides. There's all kinds of them. And so we started planning it, and one year later, uh, in June or beginning of July, I did that. And, uh, yeah, it took off. We we raised money for kids with terminal illnesses, and we called it the – courageous leadership tour, I think is what we called it. And just did a road trip and we stopped in various places and would speak at chambers or speak at businesses. That wasn't the plan originally, but that's what we did. Wow. Okay. So you didn't just ride around for the heck of it. You actually incorporated this into your business. You were speaking on the way. I had no idea that's what you were doing on the road during that time. So let's talk about your business. You talked about not just having a regular business, but you talked about having a world-class business. How do I know if I've got a world-class or I'll use another term, a high-performance business? Yeah. So a high-performing business, uh, to my belief, has several elements. Number one, it has a high degree of clarity Mm -hmm. about what it is that we do and what problem is it that we solve and what pain is it that we relieve. A high-performance business is a purpose-driven business over a revenue-driven business or a dates-driven business. It's a purpose-driven business. The next thing that a high-performing business does is that it not only has clarity, but it has a high degree of accountability to who we say we are. It's easy to say, I do this or I solve that, but it has a high degree of accountability. And then I think the final thing that a high-performing business does is that a high-performing business is outstanding at diagnosing and meeting 
the economic buyer where they are, not where we want them to be. Mm. Sometimes we're more impressed with what we deliver than what they can digest. Wow. And I'm a big believer that if you're hungry for a snack, I'm going to give you a snack. If you're hungry for the buffet, we'll give you a buffet. But I'm not going to impose what I think onto you. And so I think there's an acute diagnostic capacity in high performers in our industry as well. I love it. So as I evaluate or assess my own business for whether or not it meets those high performance criteria, if I were to flip the script for a second, what are some of the things that high performance businesses are not? Or maybe I'll say, if I'm trying to build a high performance business, what do I need to avoid? Uh, a lot of distractions and noise. Sometimes, uh, what was it, Michael Gerber and Emith calls it an entrepreneurial seizure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll see that and we'll race after that, or maybe I should do that, or maybe I should buy this. I think a lot of distractions and noise are important. I think, and this may make some people burst into flames, I think they should avoid speed. They should sacrifice speed for quickness. Mm. Quickness means I execute with clarity and I execute with intention. Fast is just I'm going, 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 going all the time. And often we miss the nuance of building the business. So we should avoid that. And the third thing I think um, that we should avoid is we should avoid allowing the doubtfulness that comes with being an entrepreneur in our industry to get too much of a voice. But we also shouldn't silence it mm -hmm. because I think it is a companion. I know some we're about to launch something that's pretty high risk. And there's a voice that says, I don't know. I don't know. But that's OK, yeah. because that voice is my sort of my prosecuting attorney that wants me to present the evidence to say it's worth the risk. So those are the things we should. Do. Wow. So one of the things that happens in business, be it speaking business or otherwise, is you need you need money to, to make this thing continue and go. And a lot of speakers, especially when they start out, there's I, I'll say it this way. There's a sense of desperation. There is a sense of, oh, my gosh, I've got to have money. And even if you've been speaking a while, I've got to have some money. So how do you create the space to create or get the clarity that you need in order to have a high performance business? Yeah. So when I started, you know, a lot of people look at people who have successful businesses and just assume that it was poof. Yeah. It was a successful business or there was a big lucky break or that kind of thing. So I think the first thing you do is you focus more on what you have than what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I, let's say the other day, I was talking to somebody who is an aspiring speaker. They're a realtor. They do very well in their real estate business, um, but they don't have a lot of time. So their sort of economic status is time, not money. And I said, well, if you had 10 minutes or five minutes to invest in developing the things we were working on, uh, on with her, then that's what I invest. So I think the thing that you do is you focus on what do I have in front of me? When I started the business, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. I had vocal cords, almost no experience and almost no clients. And so I just, what was the incremental piece that I could get every single day that would move the business forward? So I would spend, for instance, I had a full-time job. It was a very demanding job in healthcare. So every morning I would take 10 minutes and I would do what we, we call it now in our practice, a micro burst or a micro focus burst mm -hmm. where I would take 15 minutes and I would micro focus intensely on something that I knew would make the business move just a little, just a little, just a little. And that's, that's how I found, I, I focused on what I had, even if it was a little bit, 
and then turn that into a little bit more and a little bit more pretty soon, right? It loosened up. Yeah. One of the things that happens as well inside of that is you're talking about clarity. You're talking about choosing things that will make the business go forward. But a lot of people don't exactly know what those things are. They have trouble choosing or they just don't know. What are your recommendations for people who are at the space where they're seeking the clarity? They've got to make the money. They're seeking the clarity and they want to make a step forward. How do I find out or how do I diagnose the things or the steps that are important for me to take? Yeah. So let's assume we're talking about a speaker in particular, as opposed to a coach or a consultant, because that's where I, I started actually as a trainer. That's how I started. So I think the first thing you got to do is do the thing that you ultimately want to do. So let's say I want to be a speaker and let's say I'm working at ABC manufacturing company, but I have a real heart for speaking. You got to get in front of audiences as fast as possible. I had this executive job in a healthcare company, but I started just scouring. I, I drew a map literally in those days when we actually had a lot of paper maps, I drew a circle that was 10 miles from my office. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking for every Rotary, every Kiwanis, every civic group, every church group. I looked for anything I could to talk about something that I thought would make their life better for free. Yeah. And what started to happen in that moment was I was speaking in those days on how to overcome from a broken relationship at work or at home because I had gone through a divorce. So I took my personal experience, turned it into a 30 minute thing. And I just called around and said, hey, I'm have voice, will travel. That's what I did. And so I think what we have to do is identify what it is we want to do and then find a place to do it, no matter what it is. If you're a trainer, you got to find some place to train. Because from that, somebody came up to me and said, can you come speak to our parents group? And then that parents there, there was somebody there that managed a company. Can you do this? And that's what happened over the first couple of years. And so I think... Whatever your hand finds to do, you got to do it as much as you possibly can, because a lot of this business is changing the tires while the bus is moving. Right. How do you know when it's time to make a turn? You you started out in healthcare and you started to talk about a personal experience with regard to relationship. But now you're at the space where you speak to leaders about being courageous and, and not operating from a space of cowardice. Right. You didn't start out there. How do you know? How did you know that it was the right time to make some adjustments? Two things. First of all, I looked at what my own journey was and what my what my life observations were around me. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing, if I could give our listeners anything, I would give them the skill of solid diagnosis. We largely don't diagnose. We try to often crowbar into our jaws of life, our topic or our expertise. Mm. We try to push it. And what all I did was say, two things. Number one, I got tired of talking about my divorce. So I didn't want to do that. (laughs) I didn't really talk about it. I just was like reliving it every time I talked. But what I started doing was I started looking around me and saying, where, where is a gap that I know I can have an impact? And let me give you a a recent example, I think is really a good one. I did one of the last keynotes that was done at the when I in the last keynotes that was done at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas on March the 12th, 2020. And 85% of my keynote revenue, we have three verticals that we work in, but in the bucket of keynotes, 85% was gone, as you know, our listeners know what that was like. And I got back and I didn't know what I was going to do. 
And so how did I decide how to pivot, how to turn, how to adjust was I said, what's happening? And I went for a ride on my motorcycle and it came to me. I said, people are hurting. So I said, what's the most logical thing to do when people are hurting? Help them not hurt as bad. <laughs> so yeah. we came back and developed a series of webinars. Our first webinar was what to do when you don't know what to do, because everybody around me was saying, I don't know what to do. I mean, how long will this last? So I think if we meet people in their moment of need, if we meet people in the moment of angst, mm -hmm. we had 1800 people not from my database, yeah. show up to what to do when you don't know what to do. Why? Because we met people there. And that's how I built the whole business. We have every major change we've made is because we were acutely aware of the need of a group of people that was underserved. And then we went after them. Our whole coaching certification, we certify coaches in our coaching methodology, mm -hmm. was built out of COVID because we saw a gap and we went to fill it. Yeah. Let's talk about the scary part of this, because sometimes when people are in challenging time, like it was COVID and you say, hey, I've got this product, I've got this thing, I've got this talk, this program, they may not be in a space where they say, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you 5,000 pineapples for that. They, they may just be in a space where they say, they're like, oh, my gosh. I don't, I can't see anything else past this. How do you as a speaker position things to help people in times like that, as you're seeking clarity, as you're growing while also not overwhelming yourself with the, the feeling of, Oh my gosh, I've got to survive too. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Right. Because we didn't charge for these webinars. These webinars were free Yeah, and we still do a free one every single month. Yep. I did two things. First of all, I understood the dynamic. Years ago, I was speaking and we were doing a book signing and a guy walks up to me. He's about six foot two, really good looking, dressed perfectly, mm -hmm. you know, just perfect crew cut. I mean, the guy looked like he was off a, a magazine. Well, it turns out he was a Marine. Of course he was a Marine. <laughs> I mean, he looked like a Marine. He walked like a Marine. He talked like a Marine. The guy was amazing. It turned out he was about 28 years old. Yeah. And he came up to the table. He said, can I talk to you for a moment, sir? I'm like, yes, of course. I immediately felt like I needed to stand up before I knew what he did. He said, I'm a drill sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. I said, well, thank you for your service. He said, you speak a lot about courage. He said, let me tell you what the Marine Corps teaches about courage. He said, we teach that courage is not the absence of fear. It is pursuit of the mission in spite of the fear. Mm -hmm. Now that'll preach, man. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty powerful, right? And so that's what I did. I felt the fear on March the 12th and March the 20th and April the 1st. I felt that fear. I allowed myself to be present in it. And I kept taking steps forward. Mm -hmm. People who deny the presence of their fear or deny the presence of their discomfort or sadness or whatever, that's just going to bubble up eventually. So, I mean, I had a, I had payroll to make. I mean, it wasn't like I was just sitting around independently wealthy. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing that I did, and this might sound a little too fluffy for some listeners. <laughs> I just believed in my soul that if you put it out there, it'll come back. Mm. I just, I still believe it. We've had more inquiries this year. Um, without any marketing expense. And it isn't because I'm some superhero. It's be, I believe, uh, I don't have any empirical evidence, but I believe it's because we keep putting it out there and putting it out there and putting it out there and meeting people where they are and doing the things necessary to add 
you know, my, my mantra is this, if I can help somebody along the way, then my living will not be in vain. Oh yeah. And don't get me wrong. I met with my financial planner yesterday and he said, the lifestyle to which you become accustomed is going to be expensive <laughs> when you retire. And I said, well, you know, I better figure that out. So I don't want it to sound too idealistic, yeah. right? But I just believe that if I put it out there and I'm good, right? I mean, you can't, you can't put out a bad product right. and expect people to want to come back. So you got to be good, but you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. Wow. That's fantastic. I love that, the message, and I just love the encouragement, especially in the face of what we've just walked through with regard to a worldwide pandemic and our speaking businesses. Yeah. So let's land the plane here, and I'll ask you this question. With regard to your business, pandemic aside, what would you say is the most courageous thing that you've done to build a high-performance business? I said no to clients, big clients that were not in alignment with the direction of my life, of my core values. Wow. The most courageous thing I did, and these clients were friends of mine, uh, two of them, mm -hmm. and significant amounts of money. And I came to the place where I realized they were out of alignment with my core values. Now, I didn't tell them that, but I said, you know, I think the time has come that somebody else could serve you better. It was very courageous because it was almost 10, a little more than 10% of my annual net revenue. 10% wow. like is a hit, right? And, yeah. and no matter what your business is. And, but worse than that, letting go, and it was in a niche that I was really trying to dig deep in. And I knew the CEO had the power to squash that, and they did. Yeah. But I will tell you, I felt freer, less burdened than I've ever felt. So living a purpose-driven, value-centric life isn't easy, and I don't do it well all the time, but those are the most courageous decisions. The most courageous ones I still make. Yesterday, I had a conversation with a client I love. They've been a client of mine 26 years, and it occurred to me, I don't, I don't think this is a road I can go down much further. That's a little, a little scary. Yeah. Wow. Wow, we've reached a part of the show where we land the plane by asking you, our guest, to ask a question to our audience. And I think our question today may be in the same realm with the question that I just asked you. So, Mike, what's the question that you have for our audience today? What is the thing that you know you need to do that you haven't done that if you did it would move your business forward? Wow. What is the thing that you know you need to do that you haven't done that if you did it would move your business forward? Fantastic. Share your thoughts and your responses with us by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Mike, it's been a doggone pleasure having you on the show today. It's always great to hang out with you. Thank you so much for hosting the show. You do a great job, a huge service to our members. I'm so thankful for you personally because yeah. I've gotten to know you well over the last uh, few years. And so I think it's really great. And so I appreciate you very much. Excellent. Thanks for being here. Did you make your choice? Do you want an economy business or do you want a high performance business? Do you want a business that blends in or do you want a business that truly makes an impact? Well, my friend, there are some important things for you to do and you've got the capability and the ability to do them. Go for it and make a high performance difference. The world needs you. Somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve a problem. You know, the one you solve with your message and your voice. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics, the podcast where you learn more about how to speak, get paid, repeat. See you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.